0: So I thought about today's talk, and and, uh, people have laughed, and they said, what's your talk today? And my talk today is called, eh, I don't know. Or what do I know? That's it. Eh, what do I know? Because we think we know stuff, and we don't. Unless we know it through our spiritual mind, we we don't know. uh, Unless we've had true experience with it. So many Read a lot of books, and I recommend we read a lot of books. I think it's important to read and get a lot of that information. But our intellectual knowledge is not what feeds us spiritually. And uh, you really can't articulate your faith unless you've had experience with your faith. In the olden days, from unity, from what I understand, you could not be ordained as a minister unless. You had had a financial overcoming and a uh, physical healing. Because how could you teach about the healing if you hadn't experienced it? You know, me lear- learning about Myrtle Fillmore, Unity's co founder, learning about her healing, oh, I resonated with it and everything. But until I had my own healing, I couldn't know about healing. I couldn't know about how spirit heals in ways that I I could not plan for. And it was the same with financial, and it was other things that I, I've had healings on. And it's like, oh, oh, I could read all the books in the world and have no knowledge of what that meant until I had my own. And, and, and this, to me, is what is so Very important to spiritual knowledge. It doesn't mean reading your Bible, although read your Bible, but read it and get understanding of it and then recognize where, where does it actually apply to you? You see, the Bible, as we teach it metaphysically, is that every person, every character in the Bible is you, is me. Every city, every town, every country body of land body of sea body of sea land you know what i mean they're all to be interpreted metaphysically and they represent our thinking and and so to you know i grew up hearing about joshua fought the battle of jericho and the walls came tumbling down and joshua was a bible hero now if you read that historically it's horrible it's really it's just a bloodbath it's just that he and his army went in to town after town after town, slaughtering people to overtake their countries, and and then, as I studied my Bible, one aspect of it. There's two things. One is uh, Joshua. That that all those wars were condensed to one character, Joshua, but they didn't all take place around Joshua. And the other part is. If you, you have to look at that metaphysically, to understand that what it means is with all those towns uh, being overtaken, it means wiping out from your consciousness limited thoughts, limited thinking. So that's what I'm so grateful for our antecedents of new thought, for is teaching me about the Bible, for that my old thoughts can be wiped out. I don't have to stay committed to my old thinking. At all, I do not have to align with my past as if my past came from on high to inform me of my present. Presently, and, and so I don't. I don't have to do that anymore. I can know from experience. It's the only type of knowing I will have. And even then, if I am interpreting my experience incorrectly if I am limiting myself through my interpretations. I was talking with someone uh, that I'm working with the other day, and he has been struggling with, with, with his, uh, his idea of God or a higher power and what have you, and he, he had experienced a great deal of abuse and things in his youth by the church, by his family, uh, teaching him in a limited way, teaching him God and what have you, to limit him rather than to expand him. And one day he woke up, he said, as an adult child without understanding really kind of concepts and and how to apply freedom within his own thinking. And and so I, I said to him, here's the deal. Your past is not your boss. Your past is not your God. My past is not the boss over me, and even God is not the boss over me, because God is still open to interpretation, but don't use your past to limit you today. Don't use a disliking of the past to limit you today, or even a loving of the past to limit you today i said stay in the presence and more will be revealed and what's wonderful he really does want a higher power he really wants to know and have faith in something that he believes in that is inherently good and on his side and that's what i had to do in finding the god of my understanding because when i started my healing uh the god of my understanding was not kind and here, and I'll tell you why, it's not here to blame so much as, but my mother did not teach me a kind God, because she wasn't taught one. No, we were taught to fear God, you know, God's watching. Yeah, he, he's making a list and he's checking it twice. Uh, to find out whether, if I've been bad, while well, I was watching to see if I've been bad. It's a horrible way to really train a child about, about right and wrong behavior about easy and hard as opposed to good and bad. Uh, We are all inherently good. You as parents would do well to remind yourselves and your children at every minute of every day, we are good. You are good because God is good and you are God's beloved child. You are good, capital G, good. And that doesn't mean you're always going to be well-behaved. And it doesn't mean you're always going to feel good, but you are inherently good. So we're not going to worry about you being bad. We're going to take the. And here's what I really recommend to all families. I recommend this to everyone, but families, listen in. Take the word bad out of your household, please. Just take the word bad out of your vocabulary, out of your thinking, out of your household. Nobody is bad. People are poorly behaved. People are get confused. They forget. They are not bad. They are not evil. And the the less we hold people to, they're just evil, uh, the less we do that, uh, the less appearance of evil that will appear. And and so let's start in our homes and realizing I'm not bad just because I don't like what's going on around me. I'm not bad just because I fear things. I'm not bad. Here's why I'm not bad, because I can't be bad. The prodigal son story told us that. And if you haven't read it, I suggest you look it up. If you don't understand it, do more research or call me and we'll talk about the prodigal son story. But the gist is this kid wanted to go party. He wanted to go play. Uh, He didn't want to be bound to his father's land and kingdom and what have you. And so he asked for his inheritance and off he went. Used up all of it in playing, in uh, pleasing his body, in one form or another. All the senses, just getting high in one way or another, to the point where it all went away. Well, he wasn't too embarrassed to go home, because he just knew his father would hate him for having done this, for being so foolish, for and uh, being and really foolish really means for being so confused about his spiritual identity, but. In the story they don't say that and finally he's you know he he can't eat anymore there's no there's nothing for him he goes home and asks if he could work for his father in the fields so are you kidding me i love you why would i make you work for me i love you here let's have a party here's a big ring throw it on there's a nice robe throw it on i've loved you i've always loved you and you just didn't know it Imagine treating yourselves and your children as if they've always been loved, no matter what's going on. They are loved by a power greater than their egoic selves. You yourself are loved by a power greater than your egoic self. So in uh, raising yourself and then raising your children, you can realize, oh, oh, that Reverend Sean, he's so smart. Uh, they, actually, I was, it's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I was so hungry to know and remember that I was loved. And when I walked into the doors of unity and heard it again, you are loved with an everlasting love. You are good and cannot not be good. And behavior and your the state of who you are are not the same thing. That's what made me so smart, and I began to apply it and that's how i got my spiritual understanding my spiritual knowing that i was good because i began to apply it and the more i applied it the less i needed to act out on those old behaviors of heightening the senses as it were now i have not let go of all that entirely clearly but nevertheless i know the truth enough that I stay focused on how would I become willing next to take the next step and the next step and the next step. So you parents, admit you yourselves are good. If you are divorced parents, admit both of you are good in God. In God, we are all good. And then remember your children, they are good, even if they are misbehaved. Start to declare only love lives here, and go with that. So my friend that I was work, that I work with, uh, I said, "Do not let your past be your informant for the present." I think it's Course of I know it's Course of Miracles that says, "I see only the past." Now we have to be careful when we read things like A Course of Miracles and those lessons, so that we don't take on guilt. Guilt does not tell us that we are good. <laughs> guilt tells us we have somehow. We're somehow wrong and somehow in our psyche bad. We're not here to be guilty. I see only my past because that's what I use, because I don't I haven't necessarily learned how to use the present to inform me, or the superconscious mind to inform me. That's why we use words like superconscious mind rather than God all the time, because superconscious mind clearly has no personality, is an aspect of mind within me. That sees, and reminds me of what it sees, and that's what I want to be in touch with all the time. Uh, and so, you know, uh, and so to look at it, oh, oh, the superconscious mind is telling me this, this, and this. You can also say the Christ mind, as you hear me say most Sundays. Christ in me is awake now. Christ isn't about Jesus. Christ is about the awakened being uh, that that knows the truth of things rather than the appearance of things or the past information you see i if you were told in school somewhere that you were somehow bad or stupid or unattractive you don't want to use that information today that's lousy information and what's more it's untrue it is so untrue all god's children are beautiful We are inherently beautiful, we are inherently lovely, we are inherently intelligent, and we are all welcome in the kingdom. And so we don't have to wait till we die, the physical body to die, to enter the kingdom. We do have to change our mind, however, about our relation to God, our relation to good, our relation to spirit. You know, we are, we, are, we are not a body, but we have a body, as we've said. And so, but our past will tell us, oh, look how you hurt your body when you did that. Oh, look how you did, hurt yourself when you did this. Our past will tell us so many things that aren't true. You must be awful or you wouldn't have had parents like that. You must be awful or you wouldn't be an alcoholic. You must be awful or you wouldn't have been a liar and a thief. You must be awful. And no, 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 no. I must have been confused to be anything less than my God self. I must have been horribly confused. And so today, I choose to awaken. Today, I choose to see how my experience could shift in order to be of service to the whole planetary community. Imagine that. And so I will not use my past as the informant for the present. The present is filled with the presence. God is presence itself. The present is filled with the presence. And in presence, I have all the information I need. In divine presence, I have all the information I could ever want, that I could ever need, And I suggest if you're not already using words like this, start using them. Presence. Find a way to incorporate the word presence and possibly divine presence in everything you think, everything you say, everything you do. If you are in your office during the day doing your work, Declare divine presence is in my work. Divine presence is in my ideas. Divine presence. You see, uh, the the, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us, and the presence of God watches over us. That's a prayer, and it's an affirmation. Not to make it true, we are declaring it because it is true. It's not just an indication that the service is over. And I can go back to being my confused self. It's a final reminder before the benediction. There's one more after that usually. It's a final reminder in our celebration service of what is real. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. These aren't just nice things that we say to try to feel good when we actually feel horrible and guilty and ashamed and we feel unprosperous and we feel frightened. You know, it's, no, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us and the presence of God watches over us. That is, to me, That is a truth statement. That's a series of truth statements. And I would rather those be the truth than my nerves at not doing my work. I'd rather those be the truth than anything from my past that would tell me I'm not sufficient for today. I am sufficient for today, I am smart, I am beautiful, I am lovely, I am whole, I am prosperous, I am free. Make those I am statements and then explore, how many of them do I believe? And look at it and and, uh, and if some of them you don't yet believe, say, how many would I like to believe? hopefully all of them, and then you go to, so what would I have to think to prove them true in my life so that I could know they are true? So that I could know what is true from my experience. Not from my intellect, but from my experience. I know too many people who read a good book and then go spout it, and have no idea of the experience of what they're talking about. I rely on people, my 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 sooths, as it were, uh, my my wise men, are the one and uh, women. They are they are the ones who have been through it and come out the other side, and they did it with spirit. They did it and had an awakening that something bigger than their ego and something other than their past carried them through. They did not get through it with their intellect because they couldn't have gotten through it with their intellect. The intellect doesn't know from the emotional well. The intellect doesn't know, the intellect might know about the the, uh, emotional well but it does not know what the emotional well truly is. Because it had, the intellect has not experienced the emotional well. And we, we have a lot of emotions. We have a lot of feelings. We have a lot of... And so, I encourage us all. As, you know, as we say, eh, what do I know? Well, I, I, I know something. I, I know something. I was having a discussion with a few unity ministers the other day. And one, one unity minister, uh, he, he, he generalized... About, well, all unity ministers, none of them know what to do when they start working in a church. None of them have a clue. None of them... and I said I beg to differ. I had a lot of experience in church before I came here, to, to it was before I was hired in my own church, and I said I had a clue. I had a clue. Please don't generalize me. And I had a clue from my own experience. You know, I was a big part of a pioneering church in New York. I was the board president and I was studying there with the minister. And I learned from various ministers' failures as well as their successes, or their successes as well as their failures. And and I learned and I paid attention. And I learned from my own failures as a teacher before I uh, walked into the church that I was brought into to pastor. And so it's important not to generalize because That makes us a little stupid, if you want to know the truth. It makes us a little foolish. And it it does not make us smarter. When we go onto Facebook and we rant and rave about someone's behaviors, that does not make us smarter. You know, I I know poor behavior when I see it, but I sure don't know the underlying uh, cause of why someone else behaves poorly. I have a clue about why I behave poorly, when I behave poorly. I have a clue now, so therefore when I see someone behaving poorly, oh, they hurt, they are confused, they doubt, and I don't want to condemn them to hell because I don't want to condemn myself to hell. And if anybody's listening to this that's never heard me before, and we're not talking about hell as a place you go when you die. We're talking about a mental place you go, uh, fulfilled with lack and limitation and confusion. I want to read something here. It's from the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament. It's from the book of Revelation. And we're not going to do the, the whole th- explain the whole book of Revelation here right now. And so, so get it out and read it in your regular Bible when, you, uh, when we finish here. But he talks about, in chapter 5, Holy Spirit does, the scroll with writing on both sides, sealed by seven seals, is not a secret scroll that cannot be opened. Every word written on the scroll is written on the heart of the very creation of God. It is all that is known to him, And all that need be known. The scroll is but a symbol of the knowledge that already is. Jesus is a symbol of one who has discovered the contents of the scroll. But as I have already taught, Jesus is not different from you. Jesus is within your mind. So all that is in his mind is in your mind also. It is not a mystery to you. It is known. And what is known can be discovered when you lay the belief in your unworthiness aside. That's the important part there. To lay our belief in our unworthiness aside. Let's not uh, misinform ourselves or our children anymore to think that we are somehow sinners, to think that we are somehow unworthy of God, unworthy of love, Lay that belief aside. Remind yourself on a daily basis you are worthy of the kingdom. Remind your children on a daily basis they are worthy of the kingdom. You know, David and I tell our cats all day long how loved they are and how grateful we are for their presence. Granted, they don't argue with us. Granted, they don't throw temper tantrums. Granted, they don't have a human side. They have an animal side that is pure love. And so, how do we start treating ourselves? We are a human being that is pure love. Our children are human beings that are pure love. Our neighbors are are beings that are ultimately made in pure love. And all beings, all around us, are beings that are made in pure love. How do I know this? Because I have seen what I thought was evil shine forth as an angel of light on many, many occasions. When I put down my story about them, they were allowed to shine forth. And when I put my story about myself aside, I'm able to shine forth. I encourage us all to go within on a regular basis, consult with the light within us, and ask, how do I set my false beliefs, how do I set my past aside, so that I may be informed by the present And let my light shine forth. That's what I encourage. The rest, I don't need to know. Thank you.